Good morning and uh, happy Easter to all of you. Welcome to Celebration Church. And yes, I do look like an Easter egg this morning. <laughs> Only a real man can wear pink. That's right. Or a confused man with deep-seated issues. We're not sure. Let's all stand together. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have our campuses joining with us as well in Appleton and in Stevens Point this morning. Good morning to all of you. Happy Easter. Uh, as uh, most of you know, we are a multi-site church. In other words, it was just the one church. We're just the one church, but we have several different congregations, and we all connect together uh, in, in multiple ways. Uh, we have our own music and stuff like that, but when it comes for the preaching, whoever's one person connects and we, everybody listens. Um, when we first started doing it, uh, we uh, did it via a satellite uplink. There's, in fact, we still have the uplink in the back. It's like this gigantic ray gun. <laughs> if you'd like to buy one, let me know. But, uh, uh, but it was the old technology, you know, the standard depth of squares picture in the not very clear detail. Uh, and then, of course, finally, high definition kicked in, and uh, we were able to as continue to raise funds and prove our communication stream and all of our campus uh, having a high definition, all cameras, everything. Uh, but the uh, transmission from one campus to the other became very difficult because of uh, just the technology to upshoot that was really expensive. So, uh, so anyway, we just kept working on it, working on it. Uh, a lot of the services have been delayed uh, because we'll speak here and then a week later they would hear the message on delay because of the time it took to get it over to them. Anyway, we finally, as we continue to improve the system and as you guys continue to support the church with our Go Beyond campaign and stuff, been able to improve everything. Today, we are now streaming live in high definition to our campuses. <laughs> Praise the Lord, you guys. Hopefully it's working. But anyway... Uh, so, so that's nice. So now we're live again. We're connecting again, and it's the super clear signal. We're really excited about it. The neat thing about it now is our big dream, which we're almost there, is to be able to connect back and forth so that I could say, you know, good morning to everyone at Stevens Point, and you'll be, boom, you'll see those guys on the screen. Or if we want to say hi to guys at Appleton, boom, we'll see them on the screen, and it's going to be very, very cool. Uh, eventually, I can be at those campuses from time to time and preach there and connect with everybody back here. So it's, it's going to be really neat. The coolest thing, I don't know if we'll ever, because it'll take a lot of work, is uh, the technology is conceivably possible that we could all sing the same songs at the exact same time with the different musicians. But when our guy here is leading, then the next song, the guy, Chad and Appleton, could be leading the song, but we're all playing and singing here and in point. I mean, it's going to be wild. 
and it'll really help us connect it all together. Ah, hallelujah. Anyway, we're just excited about that. Uh, this Easter morning, I want to read to you from uh, the uh, resurrection account as recorded by Mark. It's Mark, the 16th chapter. It says, when the Sabbath was over, uh, Mary Magdalene, Mary, Mother James, and Salome brought spices so they might go to anoint body. Why were they waiting for the Sabbath to be over? Uh, the Jews uh, at that time were extremely strict and very conservative Jews to this day, still extremely strict about the Sabbath. When it says don't work on the Sabbath, they meant you could hardly move on the Sabbath. And I mean, it was really, the Lord kind of said, hey, you guys, you're going overboard here. But that's what they did. So Jesus died on Friday, and it was getting toward the evening, and once the sun goes down, Sabbath, you can't do anything. So normally they would prepare the body with spices, you know, for, you know, for burial and stuff. But well, they didn't have time to do it, so they quick just stuck him in the grave or in, in the tomb, and then they all had to go, and nobody could do anything all Sabbath. And then finally, when the sun rose the next morning, Sabbath, you know, boom, here we go. And that's when they came to kind of catch up on what they should have been doing in the first place. So that's the thing. So they're coming to anoint Jesus' body. Well, very, very early uh, on the first day of the week, Sunday now, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. But then they thought, oh man, what are we going to do? Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? These tombs were blocked off and usually sealed. Uh, I don't think those had been sealed yet, but it was a big deal. These big stones to, you know, keep the uh, tomb sacred and people from coming in and out of them. Who's going to roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. The stone had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. On that Resurrection Sunday 2,000 years ago was the major defining moment for people of the Christian faith. Up until this time, I mean, lots of people had claimed to be the Messiah. A lot of people had been great prophets. Jesus was a great prophet to a lot of those people. People even still debate that today. They can't deny that Jesus was here. It's beyond debate. He was here, and clearly he was an amazing person, and his teachings were off, just incredible. And he was, well, yeah, he was a great teacher. He was a this, or he was a prophet. Or, you know, everybody's got their version of whatever that don't believe in Jesus. But to us, he's the son of God. And what really sealed that was on that morning when he was risen from the dead. Because when you can beat death, game over, all right? So this, this is the great celebratory event, and there are millions of people all over the world of faith who gather, particularly on this day, probably the largest day of church gathering, even over Christmas, when everybody comes to acknowledge this incredible event. It is the event that proved that to God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Okay? So one of the great phrases found in this Easter account that I'm drawn to this morning is that phrase that simply says, the stone had been rolled away. Not only had Jesus come to life, but he came out victorious, walking unimpeded into the world. There was no stone in his way. But as I was reflecting on this, I couldn't help but think of the fact that for a lot of people, they have been, spiritually speaking, brought to life when they come and they encounter Christ in their lives. And that is really the central message of the Christian faith, is that you can experience God. 
not just learn about God, not just hear about God, not just pray and cry out to God, not just come to church and go through forms and rituals and push all the buttons. I'm talking, if you haven't truly experienced God in your life, I don't care if you come to church every Sunday and half since you were whatever old. If you don't really experience God, it all doesn't mean jack. All right? You have to truly experience him, and that's what can happen when you will completely surrender your heart to him, ask him into your life. And then there is this transformative moment that people have been talking about for over 2,000 years. People outside the Christian faith don't get it. You know, why do you guys do what you do? Why do you go to church? Why do you do I'm telling you, this isn't just religion to us. This isn't something that like millions of other people practice in their versions of faith. To us, this is an experiential transformation. Jesus talked about it. He says, it's like being born again. That's where you get that phrase, born again Christians, which they, you know, try to mock us and call us idiots. But it's, uh, it's what we've been truly transformed. New life has come into us. And when you ask God into your life and you truly by faith connect with him, wow, new life comes. And it's like being resurrected from the death of sin that we had been walking in. Sadly, a lot of people, even though they've been raised to life through Christ by faith, tend to live their lives still stuck in a tomb because the stone is in the way. They've got stuff in their way. They can never seem to push past stuff. So my question to you this morning is, has the stone been rolled away in your life? Now, three ways of looking at this this morning, very simply. Number one, God wants to remove the stones in your life. And in fact, there are blocks in your life that only God can remove. And remember, he can do anything. But I know, I know, I hear your problem is too big. Your finances are so bad. Your marriage is so over. The situation is so completely out of control. It's fascinating. I'm talking about people of faith. I'm talking about people of faith. I'm not trying, not, not trying to convert anybody today. I'm talking to people of faith. We're supposed to be walking in life and your life just sucks because there's this big stone, something blocking you. When you talk to them, it's like they go out of their way. It's like they've rehearsed it a million times to explain to you why God can't do it. Why God can't fix it. It's because it's this bad. It's this big. It's this huge. And they become obsessed, focusing on the thing and the thing. And all they can see is the thing because they're standing so close to it. When in fact, none of that means anything to God. There's nothing too big. Your problem is so big. Some of you got some big problems. Sometimes I'm even impressed. <laughs> I, oh, yes, that's pretty bad. Yeah, whoa. Thought I heard it all. Listen to that version. But even that is not too big for God. Don't lose heart. Don't lose faith. God can do anything. Death itself is not a hindrance to the power of God in your life. But you need to let go and let God. Everybody say, let go. Let go. Yeah. Let it go. Let it go. No. <laughs> All the little girls, yes, sing it again. No, no, we've heard it enough. <laughs> you need to let go. Step back a little bit. Your problem is so big, not to God. I know it's huge to you because you're like this. You're standing in front of the tree. And if you're standing real close to the front of a tree, you got a problem. Holy cow, I can't go anywhere. Look at this tree, it's massive. It's like, get moving. God will say, why don't you step back a bit and just walk around? You know, if you just listen. <laughs> because your problem is not as big as you think it is, as overwhelming as if, and I know, what, I, know, I know what it's like to have those, whoa, it just seems massive and it just seems huge and the lion seems massive and roaring and 
till you get close and you find out it's just a really loud cat. <laughs> God can do anything. Let him do what he does. But there's this line, God will not cross. It's called free will. If you don't want him, if you won't let go, it's all yours. At some point, you have to let go and let God and truly trust God and understand and realize there is nothing too big for him. Nothing is impossible with God. A lot of times, people don't realize that sometimes the situation is such that God wants you to move your own goofy stone. But to do this, you have to listen and you have to learn and you have to act. The stuff you can't do, God can do. The stuff you can't, can do, God ain't going to do. Are you hearing me? Sometimes we're not sure what they are. You know what they do? Come talk to us. We'll point it out to you. But sometimes you got to move the thing. We've just had a wonderful, you know, Lent has come to an end now. And we've been meeting on Wednesday night since Ash Wednesday and sharing about the Christian disciplines. And last Wednesday, this last Wednesday, we had our big baptismal service uh, over at Stevens Point, five people completely surrendered their lives to Jesus, wanted to be baptized in Appleton, our smallest campus, 10 people. Lives completely transformed, wanted to be baptized here in this campus, 33 people. So we're talking a whole lot of people Wednesday night. And, and I was sharing with them on Wednesday night, this whole idea of baptism. What it's about is identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's the symbolism, being buried into the water and raised again in newness of life. We read about it in Romans, the sixth chapter. I read the whole chapter with them. I won't do that now, but... Verse 3 says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. But then he goes on to explain that you have to make a choice. You have to make a decision. You have to understand, no, I choose to look at things God's way. Here's what happens. When you come to Christ and you're born again, you have this new life. It's a transformative experience. Without Christ in your life, everybody in the world is driven by how they think, how they feel, their thoughts, their passions. Everybody understands. Even non-Christians, yeah, that's what that drives and motivates me. What they don't understand from a Christian worldview is all of that is poisoned with sin and tends to be rather negative. At some point, it just becomes negative. Selfish, bitter, angry, selfish, whatever it is that, that just boxes people in and causes them to do bad things. It's called the power of sin in your life. When you truly meet Christ and all of a sudden you have this new life of God in you, boom, we are now walking in new life, the Bible says. But what a lot of Christians don't understand, they think because I have this new life, the other one isn't there anymore. But it is still there. And that's what Paul said. Even though we reckon ourselves to be in Christ, we have to make that continual decision. I'm going to live this way, and I'm not going to live this way anymore. But this is still there. Just when you think, oh, I'm really serving God. If you're not careful, the other one comes out. And uh, sometimes you feel a little schizophrenic, I got to tell you, because you're feeling the struggle going on. But it's just that old nature, and we have to make that decision. I will not live this way anymore. I know I want to live this way. Sometimes you feel, people say, Pastor Robert, I feel it. It doesn't matter what you feel. As people of faith, our feelings do not define us. Somebody say amen. amen. We live in a culture today that says your feelings define us. Whatever you feel, you are. That's everywhere. If you feel, oh, they feel it, they can't help it. Everybody, I can't feel it. You know, you know, I had to, you know, do this, that, or the other. I couldn't help it. 
Everybody's got their reason why they can't explain away their behavior because it's not their fault. Nothing's ever by anybody else's fault. I felt it, I heard it, I something, you know. But just because you feel it as people of faith, that might be true with them because again, without knowing Christ, you're stuck to that. With us, we have a choice. Jesus said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We have the freedom, true freedom now, to look at that and go, no! I don't care what I feel like. I don't care what I'm sensing. I don't care what's pulling on me. I am free because Christ has set me free. And I can choose to walk in newness of life. I use the analogy uh, on Wednesday night about the movie, you know, The Lord of the Rings. Uh, there's a book first, but then a movie. I watched the movie. <laughs> I tried reading the book. It was like sand in my eyes. Oh, I couldn't stand it. But the book was cool. I mean, the movie was cool. But anyway, the, the, so this cool scene is, you know, if you didn't watch the movie, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But there's this really cool scene where Gandalf, he's like, you know, the good witch or the bad witch, but that's a different movie. But he was a good, what do you call it? Wizard, the wizard, yes, he was the good wizard. And they're running from this demon thing, coming after him. And they cross this bridge, and this demon tries to come after the bridge. And he turns around and takes his staff, staff and he says, You shall not pass. And boom, you know, it's my favorite part of the move angle. Whoa, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Because at some point in your life, you have to just say, No, you shall not pass. Pass. This will not happen anymore. This doesn't control me anymore. The fear, the anger, the bitterness, the sin doesn't control me anymore. I choose to walk free. But you have to do that. So God will do what you cannot do, but then you need to do what you can do. And then thirdly, sometimes you got to let others do stuff for you. And that's hard for us. We're Americans, you know. Nobody should know our business. My business, leave me alone. But the problem is, is sometimes you just need help. And God likes to use people to help other people. Always has, always will. That's why we have the church. It's community. It's a community of faith. You want to really watch God change stuff in your life? You need to connect with your community of faith. And you can't do that by just showing up a few times a year, checking in, ching, ching, and checking out. All right? I know I watch some of you people. As soon as the service is done, it's like the bell to the Kentucky Derby. Ding! You're running out of here as fast as you can. It's the most dangerous place in this church is at that door on the way out. It's like standing in front of Walmart on good, what is that, Black Friday when they're all coming in, you know, and it's, don't be in such a hurry. You need to connect with people. I promise you, there will be a day when we will all stand before God. We'll all be in heaven and we think, and some of you are going to ask, God, why didn't you answer my prayer? God, my life was so struggle. Why didn't you answer my prayer? He said, man, I tried to answer your prayer 20 times. When? Because I gave that guy the answer. You sit way over there, you ran out of here. You never even talked to this guy. You think you can do Christianity on your own? It's a weak version of Christianity. You can, you can love God on your own. You can put you on an island somewhere. Love Jesus is a lousy way to live. You want God to show up and change situations in your life? You want your life to be better? You need to connect with people of faith because God uses people. I promise you, there's people right now on our campus, somebody, their refrigerator's broken. They're freaking out because your refrigerator broke. Somebody and his wife the other night said, what are we going to do with this stupid refrigerator? We got two of them. We got to get rid of one. You never find that out. Why? Because you never talk to anybody. You don't connect to anybody. 
You need to connect with people. And it means more than just even the Sunday morning experience. At least that's some talk to somebody for heaven's sakes. But even that, I mean, there's other ways of connecting and all these activities in the church. There's a reason for it. Because God often shows up in other people. The answer you're looking for, somebody else has. Because that's what God does. I know what you want. You're an American. You want room service, right? You don't want to go to the restaurant. I don't want to go to the restaurant. There's smelly people in the restaurant. Hey, come on, God. Room 255. Just bring it to me. That's what people want. Well, you may want it, but that don't mean jack. Because God loves to use other people. And the way he will most likely answer your prayer is through somebody else. And you'll never know that if you never connect with other people. You try to do your Christianity off in a little closet somewhere by yourself. Okay. God bless you. Knock you out. But knock yourself But you're not going to connect. You need to connect. And that happens more than just coming to church a few times a year. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. A regular connection. This should be like one of the major social focuses of your life is the church. Let me tell these people over here. This should be one of the major social centers of your life. Some of you guys, it's your bartender. You're right? Don't say amen. All right? Your major social stuff is either the bar or your relatives. That's got to suck. Okay? How about this should be the continual major social center of your life? When that happens, Wow, watch what God does. Because God loves to move through people. And you people watching me on TV at home. Good Lord. Your version of Christianity is your underwear. <laughs> Sitting in your underwear watching church on TV. Some psycho like me. Get out of bed. Go to church. People ask me, don't you think people will get mad? What are they going to do? Quit coming to church? They're already not here. <laughs> people, get a life for heaven's sakes. You need to let people help you. It's like the story of Lazarus. It's my favorite account in the Bible. I got to tell you, of all the miracle cool things, if I got to pick one event that I could zap back in time and be, it would be the account of Lazarus. Now, Jesus was a friend of Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. They were close, you know. And uh, Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick. So they quick, you know, they sent word, hey, Lazarus, come pray for him, because, you know, Jesus healing all these people all the time. Well, the disciples told him, hey, Lazarus is sick. And he says, okay, let's go. So, but he's kind of dawdling, you know. It's like, hey, we've got to hurry up. Says, Just relax, it'll be fine. Why is he taking his time? He's waiting for Lazarus to die. Wow. I mean, I hope that's not my answer. <laughs> Lord, why didn't you come? I'm waiting for you to die. Hurry up. You know, wow. So he's waiting for the guy to die. Finally die. Okay, let's go. They didn't know he shows up. Of course, Jesus knew. He's dead. When he gets there, Mary and Martha, they're ticked. Where were you? Hello. If you would have been here, he would not have died. No, no, they're just ragging on him. I mean, it, it got emotional. It's the only place in the Bible where it says Jesus cried. The humanity part, because they just were so upset. And where were you? And it, yeah, it affected him. But he looked at him and said, listen to me. Nothing is impossible with God. Just have faith. Just have faith. <laughs> wow. He's dead. 
But even that, I'm telling you, nothing's impossible with God. So Jesus says to the people, remove the stone. Well, they didn't want to remove the stone. Do you know why? Oh, oh, they said, he stinks. He's been dead for four days. They didn't have air conditioning. So he says, remove the stone. So others had to remove the stone. Sometimes God will remove the stone. Sometimes you got to move the stone. Sometimes you let other people remove the stone. And even in Lazarus' case, here they roll back the stone. Can you imagine being the tension that is in the air? They roll back the stone. Oh, dude. They're looking at Jesus, staring. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? And it says here, when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Now, if you're standing there and you're watching Jesus and he yells that, where do you think all the attention went? What's going to happen? Lazarus, come out. They all look in the, and the Bible says the dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen because they wrapped him up when they died. And a cloth around his face. That's what they do when they die. They have, and he comes out. You know, he's like the mummy from a movie, you know. Uh, seriously, if I'm there, I drop over dead right there. I was, I know, uh, look, I know I believe in miracles, but if I'm doing your funeral and you sit up, I'm out of here, all right? I just, I just confess right now. You know, I'll pray for your cold, but you're dead. I'm moving on, all right? But even then, come out. He comes hopping out. Oh, my gosh. How do people not faint and just uh, air get knocked out of your chest? So he's all zombied up, and Jesus said, Take off the grave clothes. Let him go. <laughs> See what song popped in my head again. <laughs> let it go. Let it go. <laughs> let him go. He's all bound up. They had to come and let him go. Some of you guys are struggling with things in your life. Let us help you. But I'm a Christian. I know. Well, I have the life of God in me. I know, but you're having a hard time. Let us, let us help you. Let other people unwrap stuff. You can't if you don't connect with other people. But some people, they don't, don't take the clothes off. I, I like this wrapping. You know, I mean, people, they're crazy sometimes. We get com comfortable with our misery when we're trying to fix the misery, but he yells. <laughs> My daughter, Leslie, I don't know where she's at. Somewhere in the crowd. She won't raise her hand now, but. <laughs> when uh, she was a strong-willed child. <laughs> oh, man. You think you have a strong-willed child? You ain't got jack, all right? She was, she came out of the womb like, what do you want? I mean, she was just like, whoa! Just, just seriously. And, uh, she, you know, man, you know, she's so independent. Leave me alone. How do you discipline a child whose greatest joy is to be in a room all by herself? Go to your room. I kid you not. We got, I'm, I'm not making this up. We got to the point, we would look at her and say, if you don't stop it, we're going to invite all the children in the neighborhood to come over and play with you. And she'd go. <laughs> but one intense child. She only had one version of crying. All out. Okay. You know, you can usually tell how a child's based on the intensity of the whining. You know, is it just a, uh, or, uh, or, uh, or, uh, or, ah, for her, ah, 
all the time. You couldn't tell if she had broken her leg or a fly landed on her nose. There was no differentiation. When she'd scream, it just freaked the willies out of you. And she'd come to me just screaming bloody murder. Ah! What, what, what? I got I to gotta sliver my finger. I got to sliver it. Okay, 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 okay. I'll help you. Okay. And I reach over to touch you. Don't touch it. <laughs> Boy, if that isn't like a lot of people, right? They want you to fix it, but don't touch it. Make it better. Well, don't change it. Well, I, I, just, I just wanted to, no, no, no. We, 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 it's like we love our misery. It makes us miserable, and, but we want our misery. No. At some point, you just got to let go, let God quit hanging on to every little thing. Has the stone been rolled away in your life? That's what I'm asking you this morning. You're a person of faith. You love Jesus. That's why you're here. Has the stone been rolled away in your life? You have the new life of God in you. But are you kind of still blocked in? Some is a stone of fear. Others is a stone of addiction, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness. All this destructive stuff in their life is blocking you in. Still stuck in the tomb. The women ask the question, who will roll away the stone? If that's your question this morning, I got three answers. One, for what you cannot do, God can do. He can roll away anything. In fact, I'm convinced there's people, God rolls away the stone, they get out and roll it back in place. (laughs) But God can do what you cannot do. Number two, sometimes you need to roll away the stone. You need to make a stand, make a decision, get it done. And thirdly, sometimes you just have to let other people roll away the stone for you. This Easter, as you... Enjoy this day with family and friends. Make a determination that any stone blocking your faith will not stand. Either by trusting God to do what you cannot do, having the strength and the determination to do what you know you should do, or having the humility of heart to allow others to do it for you. Jesus has brought us life. Today, let's celebrate that life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. Lord Jesus, we know that through faith in God, nothing is impossible. I pray for people today listening to me. Help us, Lord, to make some adjustments this morning, to truly let you do what we cannot do, to have the courage and determination to do what we know we should, and the humility to let others do what we cannot Because, Lord, you want to work in our hearts. You want to work in life. You came to set us free and to be free indeed. But you didn't come to set us free so we could stay locked up in a tomb. Help people, Lord. Help everybody to walk out of that tomb, to walk free, to walk in peace. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Happy Easter. Amen.